Hello, everyone. Welcome to the podcast. This is Life Over Coffee, and I am Rick Thomas. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode. This is 359, episode 359. The title of it is Response to the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill Church, episode number seven. In this episode of the Christianity Today series, the primary talking point is the church's leadership, and that's what I want to talk about in this episode. Not necessarily the leadership of Mars Hill. Uh, We know what that was, and we know what happened. What I want to talk about is your church leadership, and I trust that this podcast will help you to evaluate, to pray for, even praise God for the leadership that you have. One of the questions that I want to work through is, should you have a group of leaders, or should you have one man at the top? In the case of Mars Hill Church, they began with a plurality. They had multiple men leading the church. It was a plurality, equality. It led them to its heights, only to eventually morph into the lead guy as the main guy, the only guy. And, of course, that began the descent and the ultimate fall of Mars Hill Church. And so I trust that this episode will be beneficial to you as you evaluate your local church. If you want to read the show notes and the embedded links inside the show notes, I do have a skeletal outline. That's what the show notes are for, and you're welcome to look at them. There's a lot of information here, and I trust it will benefit you. As always, if you want to dialogue with us, jump on our community forums, and you're welcome to do that. We are a dialogue ministry, not just monologue, where I do podcasts, write articles, and do videos, but we want to dialogue with our constituency, and if we can serve you in any way, please let us know. Again, thank you so much for being here. My aim in working through these episodes uh, put out by Christianity Today primarily is to help folks to think through the church they attend, the leadership culture of the church, and potentially identify things that might not be apparent initially. I'm not providing Monday morning play-by-play critique of each episode, line upon line of what Christianity Today is putting out. What I want to do is I want to gain personal insight through these various reviews, as well as those applications to our teachers in the church that we attend. I want to be a better person, and I want our church to be a better church, and we want to continue to mature. Before I get into some of the things that were brought out in this episode, I do want to share my consternation with you now that I'm in episode number seven. I have been wrestling with whether to keep going through this series or not. After a few episodes, it just began to take on the feel of trashy gossip. And I'm just being honest with you. And I've been asking, what's the point? Uh, After a while, maybe because I'm listening to the episode multiple times, maybe because I'm doing uh, other research as well. But I am just feeling a little bit dirty, and I'm, I'm wrestling with, should I continue on? I don't know how many episodes that they're going to put out. Mike Cosper, the narrator of this series, he says it's for the good of the church and that there are things that we can learn. Okay, I can accept that. And so if it is 
for the good of the church, and if there are things that we can learn. Let me ask you this question. Think about this question and then answer it as honestly as you can. As you listen to these episodes, are you talking more about specific applications and practical changes that you can make in your life, that you can make in your church, or are you spending more time thinking about and discussing the events of Mars Hill and Mark Driscoll? That's really the question that has to be asked. If it's for the good of the church, and if there are things that we can learn, then all we have to do is evaluate our communication about this series. Are we talking about how I can change, how I can impact my church for change, or are we rehashing what went on between 1996 and 2014 in Seattle, Washington? My spidey senses tell me that most of the discussions sound like a group of guys on Monday morning discussing what happened in the NFL on Sunday afternoon. Now, whether I continue or not, I am not sure. I still have not landed the plane. But rather than rehashing Christianity Today's weak, woke theology or the demise of Mars Hill, my aim in this episode is to lean into personal application for the good of me, I, I trust for the good of you, and also for the good of our churches. And so I want to spend more time talking about leaders, church models, authoritarianism, uh, how to address authoritarianism, what a good leader looks like. Those are some of the things that I want to discuss but let me give you the beginning of, of episode number seven, because it, it begins in the oddest of ways, kind of an unsettling way. Episode seven begins with Mark Driscoll threatening to beat up some of the leaders in his church. And as he was sharing this from the pulpit, Mike Cosper was giving us a soundbite. There were many folks in the congregation laughing, and I'm not talking about nervous laughing. It was an approval kind of laughing, and it was just eerie. And then later, Mark talked about kicking two elders off the bus. He fired them, which they communicate in this, in this episode, and running over them because they got off mission. And then he further clarified by saying that he had no qualms about growing the number of unfortunate souls behind the bus, piling them up. And I think this summary at the beginning of this episode is the best articulation of why Mars Hill does not exist today. It is sad and it is heart-wrenching to think about this. It defames God. It weakens the body of Christ. I mean, sadness just wafts through the body of Christ for those who are listening to this. But it also explains the danger of an out-of-control pastor with, with no accountability. And that's why I want to talk specifically about church leadership and your church and your pastors, and I want to make those applications to mine as well. And so Mike Cosper talked about the tension between accountability and speed within a leadership team. 
And I understand that with our ministry. Uh, we're moving at the speed of the internet and we're producing content and we're doing, there's so many action items every week and the, every day. And the temptation is to dismiss accountability. Should we slow things down to have more accountability or should we dismiss stringent accountability because we have work to do for Jesus? And that was the tension that he put forth with Mars Hill Church. Uh, some of them wanted more accountability. Mark and others, they just wanted to get stuff done. And that is a real tension with, with all of us. Do we want to take the time to gain clarity about a matter and to bring other people to speak into the situation, or we just want to get it done? Now, within a work church model, a work the working environment of a church model there are basically three types of leadership governance there is a plurality of elders and this is where everyone is equal the so-called teaching pastor or the lead guy the lead pastor uh, he doesn't have any more vote than than anyone else now that's the way it is at, at our church uh, our church is a plurality of elders. Now, because of that, it moves at a slower pace. And so I've, I've said often, if you walk into our church and try to identify the lead pastor, the primary teaching pastor, you'd have a hard time finding him because he not only looks like everyone else, there is no attention that's ever drawn to him, and that's the way uh, that he fits within the elder board as well. I mean, his vote is is one. It's not 1.1 or 1.2, and everybody else is one. No, it's just one. And so they have to have 100% agreement on every decision. And again, he only has 1.0. That's the only vote that he has. So it's a true plurality of elders. Now, with that kind of plurality, well, speed is not going to happen most of the time because they have to work through a lot of stuff. And then another model is similar to that, and it's called first among equals. And it looks more like when you see uh, geese flying through the sky. I mean, there's a plurality there. All of them are, are geese, but one of them is on point. And so that is first among equals. And so a group, a plurality of elders with a first among equals, the lead guy can exert more power than, than other people. And I think many churches that have an elder board tend to have a first among equals. And again, uh, I'm, I'm not saying that's right or wrong. I mean, there's pluses and minuses to the pure plurality that I talked about initially, and then there's pluses and minuses about a first among equals, the lead duck, so to speak. And then a third model is the lead pastor. And the lead pastor is just the person. They may have a leadership team. They may have a pastoral team. They may even have an elder board, but the lead pastor is the de facto leader. Now, Mars Hill began with a plurality and then they began to shift to a first among equals where Mark was the lead duck, and eventually everybody just surrendered to Mark. And so the history of the church um, was all three of these models that I just laid out for you. 
And if, if there's a conclusion, if there's something that you can draw from it, well, the title of this series is The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And so it it rose in the beginning when there was a plurality, and, and it fell in the end when there was a lead person. So you can take that uh, for what it's worth, but there, I think there is something there that you need to ponder as you think about your own uh, church leadership. And so that is the work model. Now, what Mike did not spend time talking about, which is fine, uh, but I want to insert it here because it does need to be a talking point when you talk about your church leader leaders. You have the work model, the governance, as I've been describing, a plurality of leaders, a first among equals, or the lead pastor, but that's the work model. And then you have to have a sanctification model. The work model is a behavioral model that will determine if you have a lead pastor or an elder team or a plurality or first among equals. It is a work model, a behavioral model of how you're going to get things done. But then there is a sanctification model because we are a dichotomy. We do behaviors, but those behaviors flow from our hearts. And so every church leadership, leadership team should not only figure out what they want their work model to be, but they also need a sanctification model that addresses the need of every person's, every leader's soul, regardless of their rank and regardless of their authority. And so the question that I would ask you is, who is caring for the leaders in your church? Do you know? Now, maybe you're in a mega church, a large church. Maybe you're in a church of 1,500 and 2,000, and you're not that intimate uh, with the church leadership. Maybe you're new at your church, and you would not know these things. But still, the question, is valid, it is a question worth asking if you were to go to a new member's meeting to, uh, as you're kicking the tires of your local church, this is a good question to ask. Who is caring for the leaders of this church? I mean, if I was a child in a family, I would want to know who is caring for my daddy, who is caring for my mother, who is speaking into their lives because I am submitted to my parents and I am following them wherever they go, and I want to know who is caring for them. Well, it you can make the same application to your local church, and so it is a valid question. What about their spouses? Also a valid question. And so who is caring for the leaders? Who is caring for the spouses? How do you know your leaders are doing well personally, maritally, or within their families? Now, if you can't talk about this information, or if the leaders don't want to talk about this information, then that is a huge problem, uh, because your leadership would be asking you to be transparent, to be vulnerable, to address the issues in your life and in your marriage and in your family, and, and so we want to that there should be a reciprocal effect. We should be able to ask the same questions. But part of what was going on in, in Mars Hill is that the 
leader, uh, Mark Driscoll, was drifting from that uh, kind of accountability. And so not only did they evolve the work model from a plurality of leaders to first among equals to the lead guy, that evolved, uh, but they didn't have really a good understanding and application of a, a sanctification model. And so there was no one that was speaking well into the leader's lives and bringing the care that they need. So when you think about the church leadership and the leadership model, think about the behavioral work model, but then also think about the sanctification model, who is caring for their souls. Some church leaders will go outside their local churches and find a mentor outside their local churches. That doesn't have to be wrong, but it's not exactly right. The church leaders should be receiving the care uh, within the church body, from the church body. There should be that kind of accessibility uh, where it's going back and forth from leader to church member, from church member uh, to leader. But some leaders have an issue with that, and so they will look for a mentor outside of the church, but it just creates more separation and disconnectedness between the leadership and the laity. Now, one of the heavy, one of the things that came uh, through this particular episode was the heavy-handed authoritarianism, and it was brutal, honestly. There were some snippets in this uh, episode that were, I mean, like what I led with at the onset of this podcast, but there was more than that, and it was just, it was downright cruel. It was not Christian. There was no question it was unchristian, a lot of what was presented in this episode. But that is part of the problem that you can get into when you have the lead guy as the main guy. And then if you have a lead guy as the main guy with no sanctification, ownership, accountability, well, then he can do virtually anything uh, that he wants to do. And so I want to talk about, I just want to give you a non-exhaustive list of five downsides to the authoritarianism model. One of those, as I have been talking about, is the pastor is not accessible to care for him and his family. And I can't overemphasize that. And I, I hope that many of you will go to your pastors in humility and ask them, uh, who is caring for you and who is caring for your wife? Who is caring for your children if your pastor is married and, and has children? But an authoritarian model will rebuff this, will not be amenable to this. They're not accessible, and it's one of the downsides to authoritarianism. Another is the pastor is not open to critique if you say anything that is perceived as negative or critique, rather than receiving that and inquiring with more questions, the pastor puts up a wall or becomes defensive. Again, that's an authoritarianism downside. And so number one, they're not accessible for care, sanctification care. Number two, the pastor is not open to critique. Number three, the pastor creates a culture of fear and inhibition and and couragelessness, couragelessness uh, is what I'm trying to say. And as you think about your church, again, I want you to ask these questions. Are they accessible, husband, wife, and the leadership team? 
is the pastor specifically, is he open to critique? Is there a culture of fear? All three of these things were going on within Mars Hill Church. And then number four, there is a growing divide between the leader and the leadership and the laity. And so that gap between the leadership and the laity continued to grow. And you can have two different worlds. And I said this within a local church, and I said this in a previous episode, that some people can tolerate whatever's going on at the leadership level because they're building relationally within the congregation. And so you can ignore a lot and just have a disinterest in what's going on at the leadership level because you're building relationally within your own community. That is a problem. We need to close the gap between the leaders and leadership and the laity. But in an authoritarian model, that gap will continue to widen. Number four, a growing divide between the leader and the laity. And then finally, number five, the church's back door is as wide as the front. And what I mean by that, uh, people uh, can leave just as quickly as they come in, and, and there's little that anyone can do about it. And you see your friends come in, and then they are, are hurt by the church, and then they, they leave, and the back door and the front door is the same width. The number of people that are coming in, a similar number is leaving, and there was a lot of fallout at Mars Hill Church. And so uh, according to the papers, according to the PR, the church was growing, and they were just just really just uh, uh, banging, banging it. I mean, they were just they were just doing so well and it's what everybody wanted to be uh, but the, if you if you stand at the back door and see people leaving there's a lot of casualties of war and so an authoritarian downside pastor is not accessible not open to critique creates a culture of fear a divide between leader and laity and the back door and the front door is about the same width and if you feel like or you think that you have an authoritarian pastor then you need to ask the Lord how to respond to that, uh, responding to the authority. And I want to give you a five-step process to think about. Now, you can apply this to anybody, uh, anyone that is doing wrong. Uh, we have a responsibility as brother keepers, brothers keeper. We have a responsibility to care for one another, but specifically with a pastor. Number one, five steps. Number one can you overlook what you perceive as wrong? And if you can, by, over, by all means, overlook it. And again, you can apply this to any situation, any relationship in your life. The first thing we want to consider is can we overlook this? And that is a good idea, or it can be a good idea. We don't want to nitpick. We don't want to be overly critical. We want to at least consider and give room to the possibility of overlooking what we are perceiving. Number two, if you can't overlook it, then you must take the issue to the Lord. He is the first he is the first person that you talk to. Spend time talking to God about the issues, adequate time going over this and searching scripture. You believe in your heart of hearts, you can't overlook it, then take it to God. And then number 3, if you can't dismiss it after talking to God and searching scripture, you must bring it to the person involved. Now, in most cases, you should not speak to someone else before you chat with the person involved, though 
seeking wise counsel does not have to be wrong. Just consider that and use wisdom because what we don't want to do is to create a gossip channel and then build a grapevine based out of that and then it grows and it just complicates the problem. Ideally, you just want to talk to God first and you want to go talk to the individual. Sometimes it is appropriate to uh, talk to counsel. You talk, you go up the chain, talk to someone that is competent and can speak into it, not just someone who can't speak into it. And I have had many counseling sessions like that in my life where people have come to me to talk about a church leader. And you can do that appropriately with the right heart motivation and it not be gossip and slander. But the best thing to do, if possible, is talk directly to the person involved first. Now, number four, if that person is unwilling to talk, is dismissive, is defensive, or flips the conversation around by making it your fault, that's gaslighting, you may need to go to someone else with the hope of, of finding a solution. Now, in that case, again, you're looking at Matthew 18 right now, 15, 16, 17. You're looking at that passage there. And if he's unwilling to talk, is dismissive, is defensive, flips the conversation around and gaslights you, then you need to talk to someone else because you've already determined that you can't overlook this. And then number five, if the leader's sin is too great, you can't overlook it, he will not change change, you may have to leave the church. Now, that is a quick summary. There's obviously caveats and footnotes, and there's specific situations. And if you want to talk about any of this, please jump on our community forums, and we'd be willing to chat with you about it. But if you have an authoritarian leader and you see some of these downsides that I was talking about earlier it may be on you to go to that person and to care for your brother in Christ because he is a part of the body of Christ. Let me wrap up uh, this podcast uh, by talking about what a good leader is. I've talked a lot about what authoritarian leaders are, but what about a good leader? I want to give you three characteristics in uh, in, in a sequential order here about a, a good leader. There are many characteristics of a good leader, but here are three of them that ties into uh, this particular episode uh, that I'm sharing with you now. Number one is humble. Humility is the foundational characteristic of anyone. I mean, that is the bedrock. That is the foundation of human characteristics is humility. Humility sets the stage for everything that he thinks, everything that he says, everything that he does. And so everything is built. It's either built on humility or it's built on pride. Those are the two foundations that you have. And so you're looking for humility in the leader. And if there is humility, uh, then what he thinks and says and does is going to have a particular feel to it uh, that's going to ring different from some of the things that I've been sharing thus far. Another characteristic of a good leader is authoritativeness. He is an authority. You see, what you don't want to do, you don't want to throw a bad authoritarianism and authority out with the bathwater. 
Uh, you can throw the bad leader out, but you don't dismiss authority. And unfortunately, some people have overreached or overswung or jumped in the other ditch. They had an authoritarian leader. They had a bad experience with an authoritative type church, and so they have thrown authority off. And, you know, kids, teens can do that as well. They have an authoritarian dad, and so they just throw all authority away. No, authority is good, but remember the foundation. If that authority flows out of humility, then that's going to be good authority. His authority flows from his humility rather than his selfish ambition. Pastors must have authority, but again, that trait must find its richness in the heart of humility. And then point number three, a third characteristic of a good leader, and again, there are many more, but approachable. And the reason I say approachable, because all these things that I just communicated to you are bottled up in Christ. Jesus was a humble man, full of authority, and he was approachable. Think about that. He was a humble man, full of authority, but he was approachable. Authoritarianism and authoritarian pastors, you know, as I said earlier, one of the characteristics is they create a culture of fear, and you kind of want to distance yourself from them because you are afraid of them. You're inhibited uh, from uh, speaking to, to them. I use this word. I'm not sure if this is a word or not. Couragelessness. Uh, you will have couragelessness uh, around this pastor because he's not humble. And so, if, if pride is the foundation, then the authoritativeness is going to be wrong. And of course, the approachableness will not be there. But if humbleness is the foundation, we want him to be authoritative because there's nothing to fear with his humility. We want him to be authoritative, and he will also be approachable. And again, all that was bottled up. In Christ, a humble man, full of authority, and he was approachable. This is episode 359, Response to the Rise and Fall of Mars Hill Church, episode number seven. If you want to talk about this or anything else that's on your mind, please jump on our ministry's website and let's talk. You have been listening to Life Over Coffee with Rick Thomas. If you have a question for Rick, you can let him know by sending him a note through his website, rickthomas.net. That's rickthomas.net. Thanks for listening. Enjoy your coffee.